After almost 15 years, Wii Sports is finally getting the real sequel it deserved. But initial reviews point to that time in history being a flash in the pan. Good morning, good Thursday morning to you. I'm Shane Satterfield from Sifted, and this is Good Morning Gaming for April 28th, 2022. If you prefer to consume the show the way it's intended, in a podcast feed so you can listen on your phone as you get ready for work or your commute, head to patreon.com sifted and drop us a pledge. It's free on our YouTube channel for everyone else, but you're going to watch a couple ads. You can find our flagship show, Game Face, by searching your favorite podcast service. Please give the show a review if you can. It makes a big difference. So, the Nintendo Switch sports reviews are in, and they're predominantly positive. Most agree that it's the best motion-controlled sports game that Nintendo has ever made, eclipsing Wii Sports Resort and the legendary smash hit Wii Sports which launched an astounding 15 years ago. That's right, it's been 15 years. It's technically one of Nintendo's best-selling games ever, so why a sequel has taken so long is anyone's guess. But most critics also agree that the idea has lost some of its charm and it's a bore to play by yourself. One problem is that online play was not available for these early reviews, which should give the game some much-needed longevity. It has a 75 Metacritic average, which isn't too bad, but it's much better than the original, and the original sold over 80 million copies. Now, before you jump down my throat and say that number isn't fair because it was packed in with the Wii, I would argue that it's even more astounding because it was packed in with the Wii. For every person who bought the console, to play the newest Mario or Zelda games. There were three or four other people who bought it just to play Wii Sports. That's right. Millions of people bought the Wii and never bought a single game. They essentially paid $250 to play a single game. That's unheard of. It never happened before, and it probably will never happen again. But I don't think that's going to happen with Nintendo Switch Sports, despite it being a vastly superior game. For starters, the game is being released way too late in the Switch's life cycle. There are already well over 100 million Switches out there, and Nintendo sold that many without it. As the old adage goes, strike while the iron's hot, but Nintendo has done the exact opposite with this franchise. It waited far too long to follow up with a real sequel, and the middle-aged folks who dove in back in 2006 are downright geriatric now. Somehow I don't see nursing homes re-adopting this new game. I haven't been in one, but I'm guessing they still have the original Wii Sports, and that's good enough. So that person who played it back in 2006 in their home is now playing it in the nursing home. So you're not going to recapture that casual audience, you ensnared with the original. It's more likely that the online mode is going to become the new nursing home, ruled by eight-year-olds with way too much free time on their hands. But the biggest determinant is simply that the novelty is gone. It was a revelation to watch your physical movements come through in a video game and have it function well, but you only get one real shot at making a statement with technology like that. 
The gyros in the Joy-Con are vastly superior to the Wiimote's now ancient technology, and you no longer need a sensor bar. But the shock and awe is gone, and it's never coming back. Plus, motion controls have kind of been rejected by most players at this point, after disappointing experiences with things like the Kinect camera and PlayStation Move. In the grand scheme of things, something that was once as gigantic as the Wii Sports craze, where it littered local news broadcasts across the country for a solid 18 months, just 15 years later already feels like just another blip in the industry. Another fad or trend that has not, and will not, survive the ravages of time. Nintendo Switch Sports comes out this Friday with six different sports and a seventh on the way this fall. And now for a couple more stories from the top of your SIFs. Dying Light 2's new game plus finally launched today. As expected, it makes the game a little bit more difficult and is only recommended for experienced players who want a real test. You keep all your progression from the base game while enemies scale to your level. There's also 30 new inhibitors, a new weapon rarity, and new frights await when the sun goes down. It's available for free right now on all platforms. Call of Duty Vanguard 4 PC now features Ricochet Anti-Cheat. Activision said it was going to take cheating more seriously with Vanguard, and it appears that it's at least trying to live up to its word. Another 54,000 cheating players were banned today. 54,000! And while it's good that the publisher has removed a lot of criminals from the streets, it also shows just how bad the problem is. 54,000! Ricochet prevents detected cheaters from seeing other players, while legitimate players can see and shoot the cheaters. Like the best anti-cheat software, it's a karma-driven system, and it's been running in Warzone for quite some time now. Players who are caught cheating are also removed from all the leaderboards. Disney Dreamlight Valley was announced today. It's an Animal Crossing-like Disney game under development at Gameloft that's coming to PC and all major consoles. While it owes a lot to the sim-based play of Animal Crossing, it also includes more traditional adventure game elements. The debut trailer features characters like Buzz Lightyear, Mickey Mouse, Elsa, Goofy, Wally, and so much more. The goal is to rebuild Disney's Magic Valley back to its former glory. There will be daily events to attend, a home to customize, and all the other bells and whistles you'd expect from an Animal Crossing clone. The game will be free to play when it launches in 2023, which is a little strange for a game like this. But you'll be able to purchase a Founders Pack this summer. It's currently targeted for Game Pass as well. On the cusp of Sony's new three-tiered PlayStation Plus service launching next month, it's being reported that PlayStation Now will be losing almost 60 games leading up to the relaunch. This is important because PlayStation Now game streaming comprises the bulk of the value for its most expensive premium tier. The list of games being removed before the relaunch includes a whopping 11 Sonic games, several Yakuza games, almost the entire Konami catalog, including Castlevania Lord of Sorrow, three Metal Gear Solid games, and Silent Hill HD Collection. It's a big chunk of games to lose on the eve of the service's revamp. No word on if Sony knew this was coming and has already lined up other games to replace them, but both Sega and Konami have essentially bailed on the new PlayStation Plus. Nintendo's surprisingly fun free-to-play MOBA Pokemon Unite is getting a monthly subscription service. Separate from the Battle Pass, this $9 a month subscription will give you premium currency, cosmetics, trials of characters, and more every month. 
This is a brave move by Nintendo since the world's most popular MOBAs like League of Legends and Dota 2 haven't even dared to launch something like this. Is it a glimpse of the future or Nintendo pathetically milking its fanbase? I'll let you decide. Several classic Elder Scrolls games are free on Steam right now. It's the byproduct of Bethesda closing down its launcher and transitioning everything to Valve's online storefront. Pro tip, be sure to transfer your library to Steam before the full closure. Bethesda's migration tool launched today, and you have until May 11th to get the games from Bethesda transferred to your Steam account. The Elder Scrolls II Daggerfall, The Elder Scrolls Arena, and Wolfenstein Enemy Territory are all free to snag during the window, so don't delay. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll tackle today's boss fight. Welcome to today's boss fight where I discuss topics that may or may not be related to video games. So I'm not sure if I've actually mentioned this on Good Morning Gaming before, but I am a fairly big Rocket League player. A lot of times when I finish Good Morning Gaming, and that's usually around 11, maybe midnight every night, I'll sit down and I'll play a round or two of Rocket League. And then I'll move on to whatever I'm playing to talk about on Game Face that week or whatever. But I do tend to play at least a game or two of Rocket League every day. By the way, if you want to play with me sometime, just add me. I am Dinfire inside the game. Rocket League is always launching some goofy mode for its various events and seasons. And this week, one of those goofy modes launched called Knockout Bash. Now, I usually ignore these bonus options and just play three versus three ranked. But for whatever reason, this one caught my eye, and so I decided I would give it a go. It might have something to do with it being a requirement for a seasonal achievement. As it turns out, it plays a lot like Smash Brothers. A gaggle of cars flies around a series of floating platforms trying to knock each other off. The more damage you take, the more easily you can be blasted off the platforms. If you fall into the abyss, you lose a life, and you have three lives before you're eliminated for good. There's some death to it, too. You can pick up other cars, haul them to the edge, and toss them off while they mash buttons trying to break free. And you can also reflect damage to make your opponent easier to push around. I usually hate these extra modes, which is why I hardly ever even try them, but this one was actually fun. Even after I had satisfied my three-game quota to get the Season 6 reward, I continued to play. When I was done, I realized something. The Battle Royale subgenre is one of the most flexible constructs in all of video games. To be clear, the Battle Royale is just a fancy term for Last Man Standing, or a mutated version of King of the Hill. You enter some kind of competition with dozens of other players, and you attempt to be the last player remaining. It's a simple concept that, quite frankly, I'm astonished took so long to become gigantic. Now, it's one of the most played genres in the industry, with breakout hits like Fortnite, Apex Legends, PUBG, Call of Duty Warzone, and so many others. Most Battle Royale games are shooters, and they are undoubtedly the most popular, but some developers have really stretched the boundaries to explore genres that would seem like unlikely matches. There's a top-down old-school GTA game called Gene Shift that's a clever spin on the shooter royale, but it gets far more interesting from there. Nintendo has done its part 
by turning both puzzle games and 2D platformers into Last Man Standing variants with Tetris 99 and Super Mario Bros. 35, respectively. And if you want to take the platforming into 3D with some minigame action mixed in, there's smash hit Fall Guys, one of the biggest beneficiaries of a game being given away on PlayStation Plus. I still play that one from time to time. One genre we didn't realize was a battle royale game all along is car combat, like Twisted Metal and Vigilante. This concept was seized and then expanded upon with Not My Car. Super Animal Royale is if the genre took place inside Animal Crossing. It's certainly the cutest royale of them all. Then there's the boat combat royale called Maelstrom. Naraka Blade Point is a hack and slash royale. Spellbreak focuses on spellcasting. Battlerite incorporates MOBA and strategy elements. Worms Rumble is a power-up slash gadget-heavy affair. And then Babel Royale mixes the concept with Scrabble for one of the most unique takes of them all. Jeesh, that's a lot. And it may leave you wondering what could possibly be left. But I have a couple ideas. One of the few genres that hasn't been incorporated into the formula yet is the adventure game. Now, I'm not sure how a point-and-click royale would work. Perhaps you have everyone racing to solve environmental puzzles and... Maybe there's only so many key items in the environment that can actually solve the puzzles. You have to wait for someone to finish before you have your chance. You'd have to be a quick thinker and quick with your fingers as well. What about a walking simulator royale? The game provides a very slow top speed and you know what you have to do, but you have to do it as quickly and economically as possible while walking as slowly as possible, trying to shave milliseconds off your time by navigating the terrain as efficiently as you can. It's like watching speedwalkers do their damnedest to never break into an awkward trot. It could work, people. What about a sports royale? You have half a basketball court and you flood it with scores of balls. Then everyone tries to score as many points as possible while also trying to steal from or block other players. With the balls all flying around, bouncing off each other, it could be madness. Or you could just adopt a defensive strategy, trying to swat shots away. Genius! Or how about a football mode, where it's you against 10 other players all trying to tackle you, but your running back's ratings are off the charts and defenders go flying with a good stiff arm. Once you get tackled, the ball is automatically fumbled and someone else turns into the super running back. I would buy this and play it right now. Why isn't there a Royale mode in fighting games? Just drop 15 Scorpions into one match in Mortal Kombat. Spears everywhere. It would be madness. Or 20 Ryus, all performing spinning kicks at the same time, just hoping to land one. A MOBA seems like a no-brainer. Instead of making it all team-based, it's every player for themselves. Instead of taking down the other team's nexus, you just want to be the last one surviving. If you built the map around this idea with plenty of places to hide and ambush, it could be absolutely amazing. I'm actually shocked at the number of ideas I've come up with in just a few minutes of thinking about it. Battle Royale games tend to get a bad rap because they're the hot new thing and all the kids are playing them, but it's actually a very flexible concept that can be applied in a number of different ways. But if we want the games I just mentioned, then we have to support the groundbreaking entries in the genre that currently exist. And if you steal any of my ideas and build the games I just pitched, just be sure to put my name in the credits. Thanks for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I appreciate every single one of you who listens to GMG. I'm Shane Satterfield. Follow me on Twitter at Dinfire and follow Sifted at Sifted Games. And while you're on the interwebs, please go to patreon.com sifted and drop us a pledge. 
The show will be back tomorrow, but until then, make sure you seize today, because there will never be another. <laughs>